You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, February 21st. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka School Board will interview two applicants who are interested in serving as interim superintendent of schools beginning this summer. Former District Superintendent Steve Bradshaw submitted a letter of interest for the position. He served as superintendent in Sitka for 13 years, and three years prior to that as principal of Sitka High School. He was most recently superintendent of the Columbia Falls, Montana School District from 2014 to 2020. A second letter was submitted by Helen Cheek, who has been superintendent of the Iditarod Area School District in McGrath, Alaska for the last two years. For two years prior to that, Cheek was the director of the Career Technical and Education Center for the Yukon Flats School District, as well as that district's director of federal grants. The school board will meet in special session at 5.30 p.m. on Wednesday, February 22nd, in the district office boardroom to develop interview questions and contract terms. A meeting to interview candidates has been tentatively scheduled for the evening of Thursday, March 2nd. You can find links to the applicants' resumes on our website, kcaw.org. There are different ways to celebrate civil rights in Alaska. For many in Sitka, that meant attending the Elizabeth Paradovich Day Parade last Thursday. For others, especially some very young Sitkins, the celebration meant learning about culture from a gifted storyteller who understands the role Paradovich played in making this kind of education possible. KCAW's Meredith Reddick has more. You're never too young to start learning about Alaska's most important civil rights leader. Chuck Miller, the cultural and community liaison for the Sitka Tribe of Alaska, captivated a group of about 20 toddlers at the Sitka Public Library on Thursday with traditional clinket stories celebrating Elizabeth Paradovich. Accompanying himself on a drum, Miller told the story of how Raven made humans out of trees, and another about how Raven lost his beak. Miller has been telling stories most of his life. For him, being able to tell these stories and wear his regalia is itself a celebration of Paradovich's advocacy, which was instrumental in passing the Alaska Equal Rights Act of 1945. Well, I was thinking uh, earlier about it today, and what I'm appreciative for is being able to do the storytelling, do the songs, do the dance, uh, be able to share history with people um, of all ages, of all races. I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to do any of that without what she sacrificed for all of us. I never even met her, but I'm grateful today that she did what she did. I wouldn't be able to wear my regalia in front of anybody. The details of Paradovich's legacy may have been lost on this audience, but they were happy to paddle along with Raven as he dove down to steal bait off of a halibut hook. That's his favorite. He just wants that animal fat. How is he going to get it? So he watched the fishermen every day they'd go out fishing. They go out in their canoes and they paddle. Can you paddle, friends? Show me your paddle. Miller told stories for about 25 minutes, a long time for a room of wriggling children. Everybody was very happy. So I wanted to share more stories than than just one. So I shared two. I think they were at their they were right at the edge of their seats, but they were also like at the edge of their patience too, because they sat really well. Amid the vigorous paddling and call and response, there was only one close call. And they put the they spit on the hook for good luck. Can you do that? 
pretend to do that. Don't do it. <laughs> Miller ended with a short song and a thank you to everyone for sitting so well. After the reading, participants were offered free coloring books with Clinkett stories. Sitka continued the Elizabeth Paradovich Day celebration with a parade later on the Thursday. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick. Wrangell's Borough Assembly on Friday joined the chorus of Southeast communities condemning a lawsuit filed by a Seattle-based environmental organization that threatens to shut down the Southeast King Salmon Troll Fishery. However, Wrangell held off on making a financial contribution to the Trollers Legal Defense Fund in the belief that the federal government will ultimately foot the bill. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. Wrangell's Assembly unanimously voted to speak out against a lawsuit targeting Southeast Alaska's King Salmon Troll Fishery at a special meeting on February 17th. During an initial discussion on Valentine's Day, Assembly member Ryan Howe said he finds the suit baffling. Because I'm like, I listen to this. I, I got a finger on the pulse of like, what is a healthy fishery? What is an environmentally sustainable fishery? The environmental organizations, if you have to, if you want to put a point on it, they like will recognize the Alaska fisheries as being well-managed, sustainable fisheries that take care of fish and communities. So this is baffling and cr- just crazy to me. The lawsuit filed by Seattle-based Wild Fish Conservancy alleges that the National Marine Fisheries Service doesn't give enough weight to the impact of Alaska's king salmon harvests when it comes to an endangered population of orcas known as southern residents, which live around Puget Sound. The lawsuit leaves the future of the southeast king salmon troll fishery in the hands of a federal judge in Washington state. Assemblymember Bob Dalrymple says a potential shutdown could have a big impact on Wrangell. I'm very concerned about this. And, uh... I totally believe it affects the, uh, the well-being of the community. Brett Stilwa is the Wrangell board member of the Alaska Trollers Association. He testified to the assembly that he thinks the suit could be a slippery slope. I believe if the trollers are shut down by this lawsuit, it'll pave the way to shut down all commercial and sports salmon fishing in southeast Alaska. As a basis for this suit is a NOAA National Marine Fisheries flawed biop, an incidental take permit. The same biop used to justify the sport, troll, seine, and gillnet fisheries in southeast Alaska. Stilwa says he believes the suit is also misdirected. Our small boat artisan fishery, a thousand miles away, is catching an average of 400 Puget Sound kings a year, denying the southern resident killer whales those fish. Meanwhile, the Washington State sport fishery catches 84,000 Puget Sound kings in the Straits of Juan de Fuca every year. The statewide Trollers Association is not named in the lawsuit, but is actively fighting it. As a board member, Stillwall requested a donation of $7,500 from Wrangell's Assembly to help with the fishing organization's legal costs. Many other Southeast communities, including Port Alexander, Pelican, Sitka, Petersburg, and Ketchikan, have donated or are in the process of approving donations. But Assemblymember Dalrymple said he didn't know how Wrangell's money could help. You know, this, this is a lawsuit... Um against National Marine Fisheries Service, so it's already fully funded, if you will. Some other assembly members expressed support for adding a donation to the Trollers Group, but ultimately Wrangell's assembly passed a resolution without a financial contribution to the cause. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. The Sitka School District is not alone in having to make tough budget decisions about the next school year. The Anchorage School Board is set to vote on Tuesday evening on its budget for the 23-24 school year. The vote comes after months of unease from community members over what cuts the district would make to close the projected $48 million budget deficit. 
But as Alaska Public Media's Wesley Early reports, the board's vote also comes at a time of a lot of uncertainty around how much funding the state legislature will send to schools. For months, Anchorage school officials have talked about how to fill their budget gap. Its latest estimate is around $48 million. At one point, the district considered cutting gifted and virtual learning programs and outsourcing swimming and hockey facilities. ASD Chief Financial Officer Andy Ratliff says the district didn't think all of the cuts would happen. We knew a lot of them wouldn't be acceptable to the community, but really wanted to just highlight what those additive costs are so everyone is aware what we spend our money on. Instead, the school board will vote on a budget at their next meeting that largely relies on using the district savings and one-time state and federal funding to fill the projected budget gap. In order to maintain operations and have education look similar to what it has in the past, we've used all those one-time funds, but it is going to come, it's really going to come due the following year when we no longer have any more one-time funds. While the proposed budget no longer eliminates big programs, it would increase the pupil-to-teacher ratio by one next school year. That essentially means on average class sizes would go up. Additional cuts come from closing two elementary schools. We did close Abbott Loop, and in our budget, Ursa Major is also closed. Um, that was closed this year due to structural deficiencies in the building they were identified, and those students were moved out to Aurora and Orion Elementary Schools. While the Anchorage School Board follows its timeline for approving its budget, big uncertainty still looms. School districts across Alaska are closely watching the legislature, where lawmakers are debating an increase to the base student allocation or how much state funding each district gets per student. The BSA is currently $5,930 and hasn't been increased since 2016. Governor Mike Dunleavy's proposed budget increases the amount by $30, a bump of about half a percentage point. Ratliff says the flat funding from the state in recent years, which hasn't kept up with inflation, has made it difficult for districts to plan their budgets ahead of time. Our forward planning is always looking out that you're going to have to make reductions. There's nothing that says we're going to have the same number of people for the same number of students going forward so we can, you know, shift our services and try to provide it. It's always in a mode of, okay, we're going to have to, you know, inflation is going to cost 15, 20 million dollars next year. How are we going to get a how are we going to make up that difference? There is potential relief ahead. One of the proposals in the Alaska legislature would increase the BSA by $1,000. It was brought forward in the Senate Education Committee, chaired by Anchorage Senator Luke Tobin. Tobin says that figure comes after the Alaska Association of School Boards said that an increase of about $860 would catch schools up with years of inflation. That number they projected would help bring them up uh, to current funding and meet the 24.6% projected inflation that has eroded the value of the current BSA. Reporting in Anchorage, I'm Wesley Early. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.